Welcome to Fleet Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the latest in our teaching series. I just want to say good morning to you all here. And those online, wherever you're uh, listening from, good morning. It's great that actually we're together, whether we're here in person or whether we're in homes or uh, whether we're listening to this in our car, in the forest or the park or wherever. Yeah. Um, So... As you know, last week uh, we started a a mini-series on the Holy Spirit because next week is Pentecost Sunday. And and so it just seems really timely, actually, to just remind ourselves uh, of the Holy Spirit. And I found in in sort of um, looking at this and, and studying this over this last week or two, I've actually found it personally really inspiring. Isn't it true that so often we think we know things... But, but they actually can lay dormant, can't they, within us? And, and then we read again or we look again and we go, oh, yes. And I found it actually really inspiring to look at the person of the Holy Spirit. And it also took me back um, to my first kind of awakening, actually, of the Holy Spirit. And some of you know a little bit of my story, but I do come from a very, very, very unchurched background. <laughs> I knew nothing I didn't even want to know anything, actually. I mean, Christianity, God, church was something that was not even in my radar. And I thought that it was perhaps for people as you get older and you just need somewhere to go uh, on a Sunday or something. And then, (laughs) which actually is true, isn't it? But And then a Youth for Christ team came into my secondary school. And I was like in the second or third year. And it was the first time I'd heard about God, about Jesus, about Christian faith, And a few of my friends started to sort of make advances towards becoming a Christian. And I've got to say, it did really freak me out because it was like faith, Christianity, these are my friends, they're teenagers, what on earth are they going to see in the Christian faith? Anyway, they really took an advance and became Christians. And it was like part of my gang. And so obviously it made me ask questions as well. And, and so probably for a year or two, it was very much me kind of just finding out. Uh, I, I belonged before I believed as well. So I was kind of part of the gang and even led some of their praise choruses because I could play guitar and sing, which is very interesting and not yet believer. I wouldn't say that was a blueprint for how you should do it, but that is my story. Very much as I look back, a very much sort of an axe Acts 2 story. It was living. It was alive. It was dynamic. Anyway, I eventually did say yes to Jesus. Yes, let, let, me, let me find out, you know, for me personally, let me trust uh, the very things that I couldn't see. But once they started talking about the Holy Spirit, <laughs> well, it, it, I must admit, it opened up a whole new realm of strange. <laughs> It was a bit like the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. You know, when you sort of go through the wardrobe and you enter this other world. It was like that. It was like, oh my goodness, what is this? And when the Youth for Christ team would come back, because we were all like, I don't know, sort of 16, 15, 16 at that time, and, and most of us knew very little. So they would come back and say, have you heard about this? Have you heard about that? And we were going, no. Anyway, it was Holy Spirit Week. <laughs> have you heard about the Holy Spirit? Nope. And then my friends started speaking in tongues. And I tell you, it was really interesting. And when I look back, I think, actually, I experienced the Holy Spirit long before I even knew too much about the Holy Spirit. 
It was very much an experiential thing for me. Until I can actually take time and find out who the Holy Spirit is and the person of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit and the activity of the Holy Spirit. And now, fast forward to how it is now. You know, I've I've led worship in so many different countries and situations. I've led worship probably in some of the most conservative high churches to then the extreme. (laughs) I think Clive Caulfield calls that charismania. And so I've kind of seen the Holy Spirit at work in so many different places. And I'd like to say today that I know more, but I don't know everything. To me, the Holy Spirit at times is still a mystery. You understand that? (laughs) It still takes a leap of faith. It's still about something you can't see necessarily, but, but as you learn more about the person of the Holy Spirit, there's this presence, there's this relationship, there's this understanding. So I, I face you this morning as someone who's still on the journey. But what I've found is that the more I look at the person of the Holy Spirit, the more I realize the Holy Spirit isn't a gimmick. The Holy Spirit isn't like a, um, I think I've, I've put here, like a celebrity performer that you bring out to liven the party up. But sometimes it feels like that, doesn't it? But that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an optional accessory to our faith wardrobe. Oh, I'll have God, I'll have Jesus, but not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Because the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, God, Jesus... They cannot be split apart. They are part of the Trinitarian Godhead that we have faith in. You cannot take one and leave two. You cannot take two and leave one. They are together, aren't they? We've got this brilliant team trinity. And God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, they all have a different role. And I think that's what our faith journey is about. Learning more about God, our parent. Learning more about Jesus, our saviour and friend. Learning more about the Holy Spirit. And we'll learn about the Holy Spirit being an advocate, a counsellor, a floodlight. The Trinity, they are co-equal and co-eternal. They're there at the beginning, they're there at the end. So I just want to start a little bit from where um, Nathan left off last week. Because he did talk about uh, the Holy Spirit being there right at the beginning. And I just think, I just want, before I jump into the New Testament, I just want to talk a little bit about uh, the the kind of early days before time. So let's look at Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, if you were here last week or if you watched it online, Nathan talked about the Holy Spirit being there right at the beginning. Now, the Holy Spirit didn't just get in on the act in the New Testament. <laughs> you know, it was like the God and the Holy Spirit was there. And the way the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters, uh, part of what the Holy Spirit did was breathe shape and breathe life into creation. There was God, there was the Holy Spirit. But also in John 1, 1 to 2, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now if you look that up, the Word is Jesus. 
And so what I like is even at the beginning of time, Team Trinity was there working and shaping and showing us what it is to be a team, a community of creativity right at the beginning. And I found that really quite inspiring because in the same way that the Trinity was there right at the beginning, the Trinity is here now, here amongst us. That God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is working today to breathe life and breath and shape and form into each one of us, but also into the church, universal. The Trinity was there before time. The Trinity is there for eternity. Now, let me just uh, jump into the New Testament here. When I say jump, I am not going to personally jump, because that could be, that could be fatal. Um, but I, I just want to look at some of the things before we kind of go into a deeper story about the Holy Spirit. Um, and in Matthew, Matthew actually uh, mentions the Holy Spirit 12 times. And the first reference to the Spirit explains how Mary conceived her son, not through Joseph, but through the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Matthew 1.18, and I'm going to just read this to you. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that, <laughs> but actually, when I read that again this week, I thought, wow, that's faith, isn't it? Isn't, what an, so the Holy Spirit that was there at the beginning was actually there breathing life and shape and form into Jesus. <laughs> isn't that incredible? And although Jesus is never described as the son of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> Matthew uses Jesus' conception through the Spirit to emphasize the relationship of Jesus to God through the Holy Spirit. Just imagine that, son of the Holy Spirit. What an incredible miracle. And I think sometimes the more we hear it, the more laissez-faire we become. It's my French there. <laughs> you know, we kind of become, oh yeah, but think about it, what a miracle of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit hasn't changed. The Holy Spirit can still do miracles today. Do you believe that? Yeah. <laughs> now, when Jesus is baptized, Matthew writes in chapter 3 that the Spirit of God descends on Jesus like a dove and said, this is my son. I love him. I'm well pleased with him. So we hear there about the Holy Spirit descending. And then at the end of Matthew, Jesus says to his disciples, now, wherever you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Son and Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all I have commanded you. So again, we've got that emphasis on the Trinity, working together, co-equal, co-partners. They have different, unique personalities, but there's this beautiful integration that is always there and will always be there. And I think it's, you know, this is why I wanted to do it, just to emphasize the togetherness. You cannot split the Trinity up. <laughs> you might emphasize one above the other. You might be led towards one at a certain time than the other. But the Trinity 
is always co-working together, always co-partnering since before time and will be for eternity. It's good, isn't it? <laughs> Let's look at John 14, and I think uh, we're going to get this behind us uh, on the screen there. Now, Jesus was with his disciples and had obviously been walking with them and talking with them, and they'd seen how Jesus had reacted and how Jesus had worked, but still, <laughs> they didn't quite understand. I take comfort from that, because I don't always understand. So actually, I like it when Jesus says to Philip, don't you know me yet? <laughs> it's like, even after all this time, because Jesus was sort of putting hints about what was about to happen in terms of you know, his in, impending death, and then he's going to go away, and a place is being prepared for them. All this talk, and yet still they had questions. I find that comforting. And I just want to say as an aside, Jesus isn't offended by questions. You know, in our conversations with God, don't be afraid to express honestly your questions towards God. Be honest about maybe even some of our doubts, because doubts can mature us. If we process them well and don't get bombarded and deluged and uh, uh, sort of too attacked by them, doubts can really mature us. But I love it the way that Jesus goes, you don't even know me yet, even after all this time. So he says from verse 16 onwards, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me, because I live, you also will live. And all this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now I find these verses really important, actually. And I find that this encounter with Jesus as I say, to be quite a comfort to me when I don't understand and when I have questions. But also I think it's really important what Jesus is saying about the Holy Spirit. This gift, this person that is going to come in place of Jesus. Now in Greek, here we go, this is the educated part, uh, nouns are assigned a gender, masculine, feminine or neutral. And although the Greek word for spirit is neutral, Jesus does assign a gender as the spirit is coming in his place. And so some of the theologians say when we say he, 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 because Jesus has assigned a gender to the Holy Spirit because the spirit is coming in place of Jesus. And also maybe Jesus did this to sort of show them that the spirit isn't some nebulous divine energy but that God is sending a person. You may not see them, but this person is as real as me, Jesus is really saying. It's a person. It isn't some aura or force, or, or as I say, this nebulous divine energy. It's a person. It's the Holy Spirit. Now, the NIV uses the term advocate, and this is a legal term. 
It stands for someone who represents you in court. And the Greek word is paraclete. And the makeup of this word is to come alongside, to support. And so what does the Holy Spirit do? Comes alongside to support. It's a bit like, you know, they say the term paramedic, come alongside and support. Uh, Paralegal. I thought of the word parachute. (laughs) Because I thought that's something you really do want to come alongside you and support (laughs) in those times when we all obviously jump out of aeroplanes for our leisure time. But it's like the Holy Spirit is here to come alongside, to support us. And sometimes the word counsellor is used, and not in terms of just, you know, a therapist saying, well, how do you feel today? Uh, But in terms of like a defence attorney, a counsellor who comes alongside and actually advises you and informs you. That's what the Holy Spirit is. It's an advocate. Jesus is our first advocate. Because it says here, remember, he'll give you another advocate. Well, who's the first advocate? It's Jesus. Because Jesus came here to speak on our behalf. Jesus came here to act on our behalf, to take our sins, to speak to God, to to present himself to God on our behalf. That's what Jesus did. So the second advocate is the Holy Spirit, who's here to speak and to guide, actually to intercede for us, to stand alongside us, to support us. Let's look at Romans 8, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Now, I must confess, when I looked at this this week, I kind of looked at it in a different way, actually. Having, having looking at this through the eyes of Jesus being, of the Holy Spirit being my advocate, I then think, well, actually, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us on our behalf. It's like the Holy Spirit speaks, guides. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit intercedes. And I don't know if you've ever been in those situations where you've run out of words and the Spirit takes over. The, the, the prayers, the groans, and, and sometimes the expressions of the Holy Spirit have you, ever, have you ever been in those times where you know that the Holy Spirit is interceding on your behalf? I, I probably would say that, for me, just, I probably don't get in those situations often enough. I just use my words and then walk away. But maybe it's about a deeper immersion in prayer, a deeper, a deeper time in prayer to actually then allow the Spirit to intercede for us. Let me just ask you, who doesn't need an advocate like the Holy Spirit? Really, you know, if somebody was to give me like three massive tubs of Haribo, would I go, no, 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 no? Of course I wouldn't. I'd go, give me them and get me some more. But (laughs) it's not a hint, by the way, or is it? (laughs) Christmas is coming. But sometimes it's like, that's the Holy Spirit. So why do I not desire the Holy Spirit as much as I perhaps should? 
when the Holy Spirit is here to be our advocate, our counsellor, to stand alongside us, to intercede, why then am I not going, yes? Theologian Tim Keller says this in his book, Encounters with Jesus. The first advocate is speaking to God for you, but the second advocate is speaking to you for you. You get that? The first advocate is speaking to God for you, but the second advocate is speaking to you for you. The job of the Holy Spirit is to take all the things that Jesus has done on our behalf, all the things the apostles had still not grasped, and to teach you and to remind you. And people say that the Holy Spirit is like a floodlight, illuminating the teachings of Jesus that the Holy Spirit is, is reminding us. I need reminding. Do you? I do. <laughs> I've been reminded this week of who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is like this torchlight, this floodlight, this strip of LED lights that just comes in and shines light on Jesus and God and the teachings and the gospel. And let me ask again, who doesn't need this floodlight? <laughs> who doesn't need this? Who doesn't need this shining brilliance of the Holy Spirit to just come in and reveal Jesus? And then we get to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit because Jesus said in John, the Holy Spirit will be with you and in you. With you and in you. So we do receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I rather like that word, indwelling. I'm not sure why, but today, I quite like that word, indwelling. Because there's something full about it. There's something, I don't know, beautiful about it. There's something embracing about it. Now, obviously, you know, when you uh, look at the theologians and they say when you, when you are converted, again, you can't split the Trinity up. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. At conversion, we receive that all. But actually, there does seem to be an emphasis on a sort of a post-conversion encounter with the Holy Spirit, whether people want to call it baptism of the Holy Spirit, anointing of the Holy Spirit. I remember looking way back uh, those times uh, when I was learning about the Holy Spirit. I, I had a conversion experience, but then probably a few months later, there was an awareness that I really needed to pay attention to the Holy Spirit. So I felt, oh, I'm being baptised with the Holy Spirit now. But actually, theologians say, on conversion, you do actually receive the whole lot because you can't split the Trinity up. But actually, we do have an awareness of the Holy Spirit post-conversion, and that is so important to, to have those times when we're aware that the Holy Spirit wants to indwell within us. Because it's true, we, we do sometimes ignore the Holy Spirit, or maybe at times, as people say, it, it's like an in and an out. You know, we need to actually receive the Holy Spirit in so that we can breathe, the Holy, the Holy Spirit can breathe out of us. So it says in Ephesians 5.18 from the Passion Version, don't get drunk with what... Does it say that? Yes. <laughs> Is that just my version? <laughs> Don't get drunk with wine or gin, which is rebellion. Instead, be filled continually 
with the Holy Spirit. And that is it. That's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, to just continually keep being filled. And that is why there's an awareness at times of of actually praying that prayer, Jesus, fill me. Jesus, anoint me. Jesus, freshen me. Jesus, renew me. Holy Spirit, renew me. Because there's an emphasis on keep continually being filled. And I'm going to ask that same question. Who doesn't need the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in these days? These challenging days. These days of wrestle and conflict. At times, these days of triumph and victories. But how much we need the indwelling of the Holy Spirit who can act as our advocate, who can act as a floodlight, who can be our strength and our guide, who can speak to us and speak within us, who can intercede for us. How much we need the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1, it says, I promise you this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be seized with power. It isn't that we're just suddenly going to become a power ranger, but but. Or maybe. (laughs) But actually, it's like, what is that power? It's the power to love. The power to pursue vision. The power to have courage in difficult times. The power to walk through fire. The power to battle in prayer. The power to walk as Jesus walked. The power to step out of the boat. The power to see miracles. So here we have the Holy Spirit, this amazing person of the Holy Spirit, our advocate, our counsellor, our floodlight, illuminates the teachings of Jesus, walks alongside with us, intercedes for us, dwells within us, but then it's the power of the Holy Spirit to enable us to accomplish the purposes of God. That's the key, isn't it? The power of the Holy Spirit isn't there to puff us up or to make us look like celebrity saints. (laughs) Forgive us if ever that happens. But the power of the Holy Spirit is there so that God's purposes can be accomplished. So I, I wish I had more time to talk about actually something that's always been close to my heart, and that is the fruit of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 8-11 talks about the gifts of the Spirit. I'm not quite sure if Nathan's going to talk about that next week. Who knows? But I just want to say a little bit about the fruit of the Spirit, because when you have the indwelling of the Spirit, I think there's a supernatural byproduct, and that is fruit. And actually, do you want to know where the Spirit of the Lord is? It's where the fruit is seen. It's where fruit is being grown. Galatians 5, 22 to 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, the fruit of the Lord will be seen also. If there's no fruit, then where's the spirit? And I think that's something I've always been really probably more aware of than anything actually with the Holy Spirit is that, you know, my life, our lives can be just an amazing fertile patch for the fruit of the spirit to grow. 
Because can you just imagine if we're a community of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Can you imagine? It's not only our, our lives that will see the fruit, but the lives of those around us, our families, our workplace, our communities. I love the passion version to this, and I'll just read this to you. The fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. A joy that overflows, a peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. How can we not want to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit? It's not the gimmickry. It's not the toys. It's not just to liven up the party. And it's sad that actually the Holy Spirit has sometimes been trivialized to those things. It's not that. It's actually embracing part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, our advocate, our counsellor, our strength, our interceder, our power base. That's the Holy Spirit that we embrace. Why don't we stand together? And just as we stand here, why don't we close our eyes just to concentrate a little This is the Holy Spirit. Always in union with God and Jesus. Always active. Breathing life and shape into this world. And breathing life and shape into us. Our advocate. Our floodlight. Our guide. Our teacher. Our reminder. Our revealer. Our power source. Our presence of God. Our fruit grower and our gift giver. How can we not ask today? Holy Spirit, fill us afresh. Let's do that just on our own. Let's just ask the Holy Spirit to fill us afresh. To remind us of the teachings of Jesus. To shed light, investigate my life, O oh life. To shed light upon who we are upon our wonderful Jesus to have the Holy Spirit as our advocate to come alongside us open ourselves up to the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit just where you are just pray that out or even just imagine that out even silently Holy Spirit, bring us back to who you really are. Forgive us for when we just trivialize you. Holy Spirit, allow us to know you in the full scope of who you are. And allow you free reign. As we breathe you in, you breathe out of us. Fill us afresh.